0: continued at scs.georgetown.edu/podcast
1: Hey guys and welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. It's Robert here along with Dustin and before we dive in, we just want to give you a quick message from my bookie. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it. Sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchup, and sometimes I'm just betting on my team because they're my team, regardless whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, MyBookie is your best bet this season. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. With pro football, college football, and MLB playoffs in full swing and both hockey and basketball around the corner, Now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in on the action. If you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with MyBookie.ag. If you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR to double your cash. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid.
0: Alright guys, welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin and we've got Rob here and it's Sunday. You know, we've been enjoying our bye week. We were just talking before the podcast how it's so nice to not have to like worry about being stressed or, you know, planning your day around game day the whole Saturday. So, I was kind of relaxed yesterday. How about you, Rob?
1: It was a very relaxing day. You know, just sat back, you know, got some work in, watched some football, and all the while, Virginia rose three spots, number 19
0: in the coaches poll. It feels good to rise when you didn't do anything, <laughs> and I think that's kind of where we're at at this point, but we're going to talk some football today. We uh, we took a bye with the team. We didn't do a Notre Dame podcast last week. Um, not a lot to talk about, but we will talk about that. There are some things that we want to touch on about the who's and how they're doing and how, what we think the team's going to be like, you know, following that loss. And also, we're going to look ahead a little bit, kind of see where the Coastal's at. We're going to look at some Coastal division rivals that we're going to play in the upcoming weeks. And we're just going to see where this pod goes. So, Rob, let's go back to last Saturday, eight days ago. This is Sunday. And what was one takeaway from the Notre Dame game? That you had,
1: I mean, the easy thing to say is the offensive line isn't where we really need it to be. Well, oh, you but... mean that they suck? <laughs> they didn't play well, and <laughs> by they, I mean more than five people because a lot of people played on the offensive line, right? Um, so yeah, that's that's the easy thing to say, but. Really, like, I don't think we learned necessarily anything new from that game. I think what we kind of already knew and maybe were able to sweep under the rug a little bit was just kind of highlighted or emphasized more, you know, the offensive line play, you know, Bryce not being as mobile as he was last year, you know, the running backs, you know, not really living up. And I would say another thing, too, is defensively, you know, our front seven has been terrific, but I still wouldn't consider the defensive line a real strength of this team and kind of down the stretch when Notre Dame was up big um big meaning 15 points but when they were winning the field position battle they could really just say our guys versus your guys on the line and they were coming out ahead and uh their running game so i don't know i mean it was an awesome first half no doubt but you know we don't, we don't necessarily need to recap the game here because i think so many people kind of have their opinions on it already but i don't think we really learned anything new i think kind of what we already knew or you know whether or not we wanted to admit it or not, was just kind of highlighted.
0: I think two things that you're talking about: one, that offensive line, and I think we really saw kind of what the offensive line is made of against ODU when they gave where they were giving up sacks, and you know we couldn't get Bryce had no time to get the ball off, mm-hmm. and it was really just kind of emphasized against Notre Dame. And I think especially for us, I mean, we had the offensive line as not the worst position group on this team, but they are clearly at this point in the season the worst position group. And I think that goes back to just the not only just the personnel, but the fact that we keep switching guys around and we have never seemed to be able to find a groove where the you know, the players know where they're gonna be playing at yeah. during the game.
1: And that's like the weird part to me is this whole off season, we were kind of like fed this bucket of goods both from the media from bronco and the coaches that like hey here's going to be your starting five offensive line like guys were hurt a little bit in training camp it's not like they were lining up in this formation every day but we were kind of told like for a month this is your starting offensive line and it was that way on the first depth chart yeah and then kind of you get to the next week or week one it was against pitt and you know it's the same guys but in a different formation and then all of a sudden we're rotating tackles we rotated joe bissinger and a guard it's like what's going on man like We were just fed this bucket of goods and it was fine. It's what we all expected. And then I don't know what really happened. I don't know if anyone's asked why the offensive line is, you know, we asked like what's going on with the offensive line and Broncos like, well, it's not good enough. It's like, great. I don't know if anyone's actually asked like what is actually going on, what's going on with these lineups and whatnot. So
0: it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And it gets even more frustrating when you know that one of our, you know, top returning ones, Rankinsmeyer, has been not healthy for most of the year. Also, on top of that, Proctor, who transferred to Oklahoma, is starting for Oklahoma. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to be a playoff team if they went out. So, you know, it's frustrating to see where we were last year. You know, the offensive line was actually pretty good last year, and especially in run blocking. Yeah. And they were opening up holes for Bryce and the running backs. But this year, I mean, we haven't been able to get anything on the ground. And that, you know, four yards rushing against Notre Dame, I mean, that's awful. Bryce Perkins had a he- heck of a game throwing— but we couldn't get any run. And I know you'd love to establish that run, Rob, but we we couldn't. There was nothing there.
1: Well, it's like, you know, looking at the rushing stats on the season, Wayne Talapapas, our leading rusher, at 183 net yards. But what that comes out to is a 3.7 average. And, like, really, Wayne's big thing was he had those touchdowns against uh, Florida State, but, like, Mm -hmm. really hasn't done much else. And I honestly like him a little bit, but, like, He's not he's not as shifty as I thought he was going to be. He doesn't have kind of the power that Jordan Ellis had. And I think we were hoping to kind of combine both a little bit with him. It mm-hmm. just hasn't really been the case. I mean, you look at, you know, college football is weird because they keep sacks and the rushing totals for the quarterback, but Bryce Perkins, so he's second on the team with 164 net yards. But as far as like actual positive yards go, he's at 280, which is uh you know 92 yards better than anyone else as far as net yards go and this is a bryce perkins who's like hobbled by Mm -hmm. his knee and you know once he gets kind of the to that top speed i don't think it's i don't think maybe what he was at this year is necessarily different than what he was at last year but he doesn't have that explosiveness that burst that suddenness that he did a year ago yeah and i don't know if that'll get better we don't really even know what's going on with the knee um but i don't know the rushing the rushing game is driven too much through Perkins right now and a hobbled Perkins who isn't what he was last year as and it's far as not runner goes and it's
0: also not designed like a lot of those rushes are like oh the pocket is collapsing after one second I got to get out of here mm-hmm. and you know he either gets a couple yards or he gets sacked and you know a lot of times versus Notre Dame he wasn't able to escape because they did a really good job of containing him in that pocket really pushing him back And also causing three costly fumbles, which really lost us the game. And I'm putting those on the offensive line. I I mean, Bryce really had no time to react to those fumbles.
1: Yeah. And there's been a lot made about that too. And again, like all we're talking about right now is like these bye week thoughts. It's like, it's kind of been this way for most of the season. They were just emphasized and highlighted more against Notre Dame.
0: Especially because we haven't played a team like Notre Dame this season. I mean, Pitt's decent. Florida State's decent. ODU gave us a heck of a game. And William and Mary, you know, was bad. But besides that, we haven't faced a defense like that. And we're probably not going to face a defense like that for the rest of the season. But they really highlighted, you know, kind of where we're at in this rebuilding process where we're good, but we're not elite yet. And we're probably not going to be elite until we get you know, some bodies in the trenches who actually can block and can get to the quarterback.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we do have to bring up, there's not a senior on the offensive line. And, you know, a guy who was supposed to start at right tackle, the Penn State transfer, he's not playing this year. He's hurt. You know, there's, you know, I don't want to say like, you know, I don't want to just like crush the offensive line here. They're clearly not living up to what we thought they, not even really what they could be, but just what they should be. Right. And, you know, it's frustrating, but, you know, like a lot of people have made you know, they've talked about this and how do you get around it is basically the big question because the interior of the line isn't getting a push, which is really all how we ran last year. It was really Jordan Ellis up the middle or mm-hmm. Bryce Perkins around the edge. Like yeah. that's pretty much what a running game is. So you lose that push and you lose a back who can just kind of fall forward for a few yards. So you lose that and then Bryce isn't as explosive or at least as quick and sudden as he was a year ago. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, is the solution more sweeps? Is the solution trying to get more creative? Maybe, a, a really, you know, they talked about it last year. Maybe it's the true option coming in a little bit. Yeah. I don't really know. Like, it's, But,
0: like, do we want Perkins running the true option? I don't no, think so, I especially don't. with his leg right now. I mean, if he gets hit the wrong way and our season goes from – ten and two nine and three and it goes straight down to eight and four seven and five I think for sure yeah especially and, with
1: Brennan you kind of still right. up in the air right the I mean with turf
0: toe I mean I always joke that turf toe really sounds like a funny injury but it's not like actually yeah. <laughs> it's really bad and it hurts and they can't do or run or do anything so um so yeah I think you know with the offensive line you got to bring it back to you know we talked about those there's some injuries and there's some inexperience on that line we've got some young guys coming up, you know, Jaquay Hubbard, big time recruit, um, not playing this year probably just because he's not big enough. And
1: well, he's played two games, I think. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if they try to keep the red shirt. My him. guess,
0: I hope they do. And I know Bronco has this weird thing about not red shirting people that he should, but yeah. I th- I hope they do red shirt him because I think if you know br- if you bring him in next year, I mean, he's got at least two, maybe three more years where he's going to be a starter. Mm-hmm. So. I hope that they figure out this offensive line problem. Uh, I want to bring it back to the other thing that you talked about, the defensive line, how they're like better than last year, but not as good as they can get in the future. And we've also got some young bodies there who are coming up. But I want to bring up a stat that uh, we were talking about earlier, and that's that our team has 24 sacks on the year, but only three and a half of those come from the defensive line. And so that really kind of shows us what this defense is made of. We are linebacker and secondary heavy. Defensive line has been doing a really good job at plugging those holes and um for the most part stopping the run, but it's really coming from the pressure's coming from the secondary and the linebackers getting to the quarterback when that offensive line can't.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at our top 4 sack leaders. There are starting linebackers: Jordan Mack with six, Noah Taylor with four, and then Zane Zandier and Snowden with three each. Mm-hmm. Which you know, it's a three-four defense. That's how it's designed. that makes sense. Yeah, it makes it's sense. The havoc, but you know, we're our defensive line is interesting too because Juwan Briggs, you know, playing nose tackle, it's hard to really get noticed. So I don't. I'm not going to say you know he's doing a great job. He's not doing as good a job. Bronco speaks very highly of him. He's not really on the field in the pass rush situations. Basically, when they come out of the three-four it's to this two, four, five look. Mm-hmm. And you're really going with Bernie, you're going with handback, Famui, Alonzo at times. But, mm-hmm. you know, they've they've gotten pressures. But, you know, I, I think if a team is ahead, like they were against, like, like Notre Dame was against us, if they really commit to running the ball, eventually I think it's going to work. So, you yeah. know, it's just another dynamic to the season. I think in the trenches, and the linebackers supplement that because the linebackers are really good. Yeah, but I think kind of man for man in the trenches, UVA is still playing at a slight disadvantage here, mm-hmm. and it, it's just a talent thing. You know, yeah. Virginia is still playing with recruiting classes that are, you know, with the exception of this year's, which I think was in the 30s. Most of the recruiting classes on these guy on these teams, these guys are, you know. 40s 50s 60s you know it just it is what it is there's a talent gap
0: and you know in year four we're starting to get we got broncos players in we're getting broncos uh recruits but we're still at a point where bronco was not recruiting at a high level when he first came in now he is starting to get those higher level recruits we're getting some a lot more three stars and four stars um haven't quite hit the five star spot yet but hopefully we get there in the future where we can get a couple of those every year and i feel like you know, our recruiting in the future is gonna be more like the basketball team is. You know, we're gonna find those hidden gems. I think Bronco's done a really good job of development. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can look at Bryce Hall as a, you know, his star development player. I mean, he can just point to Bryce Hall whenever he recruits and says, Look, this guy was a two star. I can make you into an NFL player. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's shown that he can do that. So hopefully we can get some more of those talent in the trenches because i think that's you know where you win football games is right on the line
1: yeah and the fact that we're not winning on the line is bringing a bit of a different philosophy too you know especially offensively you know the question really becomes how do you counteract that and that's i'm sure what the coaches are working on right now you Mm -hmm. know during the bye week is how do we kind of play around an offensive line that i don't even know if they thought it was going to be as bad as it is right Right. now so you know what's it going to turn into is it going to be you know you know edge runs are we doing more you know sweeps I, more quick passes you know I don't know and if you told me this season the best chance for UVA to win football games is for Bryce Perkins to throw it 40 plus times a game I would have said you're crazy but maybe that's becomes the best way for UVA and to I would, win I would
0: have games. said we're gonna lose a lot of games but you know Bryce has shown that he's been really accurate in those mid and short range passes and you know he doesn't have that long ball yet in his arsenal because mostly he doesn't have time to I mean, he doesn't have time to get it out, um, and I think that you know we're okay. And if we if he can keep you know getting the ball out quickly and we get some slant routes and some quick curls and stuff, I think it's gonna work just fine. Mm-hmm.
1: So going forward, looking at the rest of the season, since we are kind of in the bye week, is there is there anything you want to see more of? Like put your coaching hat on. You are wearing a Saints hat right now. Pretend you're Sean Payton. Yeah. Is there anything you personnel wise, scheme wise, like? Virginia is obvious. I would say right now, Virginia is the most consistent team in the coastal kind of, and we'll get into that TBD, yeah, by, if, by far. <laughs> TBD, like what's actually going to happen in the coastal. But if you were to say like, you know, if there's a change you can make, be it offensively, defensively personnel, what do you think would be the best thing for the coaches to tweak this by week? I mean,
0: I, I think, you know, defenses stay, stay the course with the defense because the defense has been playing really well. Special teams have been doing well as well. I wish our punting was a little bit better. Uh, Nash Griffin's been doing pretty good, mm-hmm. but he there were some had, he had some shanks last week against Notre Dame, and he's had a couple bounce into the end zone this year. So, But he's also had some really good punts as well, some coffin corner punts. So I'm looking for Nash Griffin to be more consistent. I, Delaney was 2 of 2 last week, so he's doing great. Kickoffs, he's great. Mm-hmm. Punt returning, uh, Billy Kemp seems to have... Remembered that he has hands and not feet, so (laughs) he's able to catch the ball now, which is awesome. So special teams stay the course as well. Offense, I'd like to see something different. You know, we haven't run any trick plays this year. I think that if we are able, and this is the time to do it, you know, coming off the bye week, is if we can get some plays into our playbook that we can use once, you know, throughout the next seven games I think Mm -hmm. that'll be great because one it's exciting and it's cool but also it gives a wrinkle to the offense that we haven't had before and the other thing I want to see is some pitches some sweeps I know that you were talking about not running true option because of Bryce and where he's at and also like do we have a running back that's going to be good for running true option probably not yeah but if we can get some sweeps in like if um not like, not a jet sweep with Billy Kemp and Tavares Kelly because those have not worked at all this yep. season. But just some pitches out to the side so that we can get our players out there, get hit, get Hasease out there blocking for him. I think we could get five or six yards on some of those. So I'm looking to see, you know, how are we going to get the run going, stay steady with the passing game, and defense and special teams have been really good. So what about you?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, as I'm curious about the personnel at running back because yeah. – at some point, you have to be able to run the football, and it mm-hmm. can't be Bryce. Like, Bryce just isn't going to last. And, you know, it's one of these things, like, you got to have Bryce Perkins as a running threat. You absolutely do, because he's the most dangerous one we have on the team. But if Bryce Perkins is getting hit like a running back and then also getting hit the way he is when he's asked to play quarterback and pass the ball, it's just not sustainable. So, for me, you know, if this is kind of... Preseason, I was big on Mike Collins, then I started leaning Wayne Talapapa. Now I'm kind of ready to see if Mike Collins, you know, see what he can do. You know, you see in Blacksburg, they're playing their freshman running back, mm-hmm. and you know, Virginia Tech somehow pulled out that win yesterday. That we'll get in that. Yeah, That's we'll crazy. About that later. But I'm ready to see, you know, if Wayne Talapapa is kind of what he has shown through the first five games. Well, the one time we've seen Mike Collins, he looked good. He had mm-hmm. that burst. And my guess... No, it
0: was against William & Mary.
1: It was against William and & Mary. And my guess is that Mike Collins is, you know, struggling a bit because of what Bronco seems to indicate as fumble issues in mm-hmm. practice. But, I mean, you can't have that in the games. But if that's something that's been fixed, you know, the past couple of weeks, I'm I'm ready to see if Mike Collins can do anything. Something's got to change in this run game. And right. like you said, the sweeps haven't really been working that great, you know, schematically, you have to try to do something a little bit. But at the end of the day, our running back one, Wayne Talapapa, he's getting the touchdowns when he's asked to, when it's the ball's at the two-yard line. He can fall forward, yeah. But you know, we got to f- try to find something else. And Mike Collins is great, great talent that we pulled out of Louisiana. He's already played on all five games. His red shirt's mm-hmm. He's one of three players, along with Nick Jackson and uh, Juwan Briggs, who already have the red shirts gone. So I'm ready to see if he can do something.
0: Now, with Mike Collins, my only concerns are Two things. One is he big enough and physical enough to play in the college game because I know that he's a smaller guy. Uh, my guess is that he might not. Maybe he's being held out because he can't physically handle it yet. The other thing is pass blocking, mm-hmm. right? So I know you know Wayne and uh, PK Kyer. I think are both in Peacock. Even are both all really good at pass blocking, mm-hmm. um, mostly you know protecting Bryce. But is Uh, Mike Holland's going to be able to do that the same kind of level. If not, he's probably not going to play that much. So it's kind of like Tony Bennett on defense. You know, if you're not Jay Huff uh, is amazing and great offensive threat, but if you're not going to be able to play defense, you're not going to play because that's, that's, you know, number one, I think their number one priority right now is keeping Bryce Perkins healthy because they know if he goes down, we've got no season, season's season's done. So, Protecting him, getting a nice pass block in there is good. So I mean, unless Mike Collins is gonna, you know, chop block people every time, it's not gonna work. So, can he pass block? Is he big enough? Is he physically physically ready for the college game? Those yeah. are my questions about Mike Collins.
1: Yeah, and we just don't know yet. We don't. Know. Yeah, we
0: we have no idea because we haven't seen him really since the William and Mary game.
1: Yeah, he's played special teams. I think he's on both kickoff and kick return units. Mm-hmm. But we'll find out. All right, last last kind of bye week thing before we dive into the coastal. Who, If you had to pick an MVP this season, so far, through five games, who's the MVP through the first five weeks of the season for UVA?
0: I think it's got to be either Jordan Mack or Charles Snowden, just based on their play this season. Jordan Mack, I know, has been defended from a lot of sacks, uh, but he's also made some heck of open field tackles, uh, You chasing down quarterbacks and running backs in the flats. I think he's done a really good job of bouncing back from last year's injury. Uh, He seems to be a leader on the team. And Charles Snowden has, you know, really developed well. He's good at, you know, uh, stopping the run. He's good at uh, defending passes. And he's still got those long, lanky arms, so he's able to deflect passes as well. So I think both of them have done a really good job this season. Those would be my MVPs.
1: Yeah, see, the reason I asked you first is because... I don't know. I'm trying to think about it right now. (laughs) I would say Jordan, if I had to choose a player on defense, it'd definitely be Jordan Mack. Mm -hmm. I would say Jordan Mack is kind of a step above the rest right now defensively. But, you know, offensively, Bryce has done some great things, obviously. And, you know, you don't win the Florida State game without the performance Bryce Perkins did. And one thing about the ODU game even is, like, he wasn't great in the ODU game, but we kind of forget like Virginia was down 17 yeah. nothing and they went for it on fourth and two. And you if Bryce doesn't run that in, that. End, yeah. then maybe we're not all of a sudden we're down 17, nothing at halftime maybe, or maybe even more. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a huge, huge play for the season to, you know, at least at the time kind of give Virginia Keep him within striking distance to keep him going.
0: And the other play like that was the Florida State two-point conversion. Absolutely. I, I think probably that's the best play of the season so far.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the best play I've seen a Virginia quarterback make in a long time. A long time. And then offensively, you know, maybe co-MVP, give it to Joe Reed. Joe Reed has far exceeded my expectations yeah. so far this season. My big thing with Joe Reed was, you know, someone's going to have to replace the consistency from Alamone Zacchaeus and... Didn't really know who that was going to be. They kept saying Joe Reed. And it's like, all right, well, throughout the past couple of years, like Joe Reed has caught like 20, 25 balls a year and they'd be big plays, but like he really hasn't caught that much. And my prediction before the season, C Dubois would lead the team in catches and it might not even be close. Well, that's not the case right now. Joe mm-hmm. Reed's leading the team in catches by I think seven or eight right now. Yeah. So Joe Reed has far exceeded my expectations. He had some huge plays against Florida State, great plays against Notre Dame. You know, obviously he has the kickoff return. He I mean, had touchdowns against William & Mary. He's played really well this I mean, season. even
0: even when he's not returning the kickoffs, he's still able to get 30, 35 yards a couple times in the season, yeah. which is huge. Uh, he He's definitely... A, that's a great choice. I didn't even think about him.
1: Yeah. So, I don't know. Players are doing well. I mean, players... We're the most consistent team in the coastal right now. I, I feel so. safe saying that. You want to right transition. Now. You want to transi- yeah, let's transition. transition
0: talk- into coastal play. Yeah, because one thing right, that we were it. able
1: to do yesterday without Virginia playing is just not playing our game, playing our Saturdays around one game. We we're able to watch a lot of games, mm-hmm. see a lot of football. And the coastal's wild, man. There were four <laughs> ACC crazy. games and. I don't know what's happening. I have no idea what to make out of any of these teams. Were like, t- w- What's your thoughts on the Coastal right now? Well, there
0: were two insane games yesterday. One was Duke and Pitt, which was the late one. And the one before that at 3.30 was the Miami Tech game. And you know, I was actually shooting hoops with a buddy. And I was looking at the score and I was like, oh, it's 21-0 Tech. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I checked it like five seconds again. I was like, wait, they just scored. <laughs> it's 28-0 Tech. So, I mean, Tech blew me blew my mind because I had no idea that they had that kind of firepower in them. And it all comes from Herndon Hooker, their freshman quarterback, who came in for Ryan Willis. Uh, I think Fuente has had concerns over Willis's ball protection, whether it's fumbles or interceptions, I think is his main problem. And so Hooker was starting this week. Hooker was lights out. He was 10 of 20 for 184 yards with three touchdowns, no interceptions. He also led the team in rushing with 76 yards, one touchdown, only on 16 carries. So he was pretty good. And uh, I think he really kind of punched the Hurricanes in the mouth, especially in that first half. You know, they're up 28 to 7 at halftime. But uh, Miami recovered and they responded really well. So I think my guess is that Miami... Did not know what to expect from Hooker, and yeah. I think Tech's game plan changed when they had Hooker in the game.
1: Yeah, well, Miami coming off a of bye week, there's no excuse to go down twenty-eight nothing. You know, even with the quarterback change, it was bad. And mm-hmm. you know, Jaron Williams throws three first-quarter interceptions and gets benched. So yeah. then it was like us last year, and, you then, know? and, and then and then Cozy Cozy Perry throws in, an interception, and yeah, he does. <laughs> and he actually did a good job leading him back. He I, did. I tell you, man, if Tech loses that game, the whole season might have collapsed. That would have been a brutal game to lose. And, yeah. you know, I don't know if you saw the end where they cut away mm-hmm. and there was still one second left on the clock. Yeah. So we didn't get to see the last play. But um, yeah, that game was wild, man. I'll tell you, Herndon Hooker impressed me. I have I honestly kind of liked Ryan Willis. I think he was a talented enough quarterback, but the interceptions just caught up to him. And Scared Quente much. had kind of lost confidence in him. And I think when the coach kind of outwardly loses confidence in a quarterback, mm-hmm. I think that affects the way the rest of the team plays and really how the quarterback plays too so yeah. you know it's one of those things where tech fans were ready to see a change Hernan hooker comes in and i'll tell you he wasn't lights out passing but he had an incredible pass on that last drive mm-hmm. i mean he dropped that ball just right in the pocket of the receiver right it over was, the shoulder it was yeah gorgeous. it was great that last drive and uh, the difference with him is it opened up the running game significantly. You know, Mm -hmm. he had at least one rushing touchdown, you know, he was just able to spread the field more with this ability to attack the defense running. And I think that did a lot of good for tech, you know, TBD what's going on, all the tech players on Twitter, you know not sad anymore i don't Mm -hmm. know what's gonna happen with virginia tech the rest of the way
0: virginia tech fans have gone on a roller coaster this season of like, oh we need to fire fuente right now clean house and now they're like oh maybe this is all right they're they're really funny well
1: then in miami the question becomes you know we play them on friday night yeah and probably good for us it was a long game you know miami's kind of tired but Mm -hmm. now miami has a bit of a quarterback controversy Mm -hmm. do they play in cozy perry or do they play Jaron Williams? It's just like last year. Yeah, it's like, what's going on here? And I'll tell you, the Miami offense, we kind of knew it was going to be shaky. You know, they were going to be hit or miss. And they scored a lot of points yesterday. I think part of that is just because of the type of game it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tech isn't this world-beater consistent team, at least yet, either. Um, but their defense is kind of the thing that's was good about Miami. You know, Manny mm-hmm. Diaz was their defensive coordinator. The past few years, even when Miami hasn't been you know, the best team in the world, they've typically had a pretty good defense. And, yeah. you know, they gave up so many points to Tech yesterday. Is that a product of Herne and Hooker surprising them? You know, Virginia Tech only had one first down the entire second half until their final drive where uh they came back and yeah. took the lead. So I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm not sure what type of Miami team we're going to face, you know, for UVA's benefit. Maybe it's a bit of a dysfunctional week down in Miami. Who's going to be their quarterback? What's going on? I think they're zero and two in the ACC right they, now. They are zero and two, and I so. think that's a
0: big thing because are they out of the Coastal race this season? They're two and three, zero and two in conference. They're at the bottom of the Coastal, which is one. I'm going to say the worst division in NCAA right now. Um, <laughs> Very well could be. I think it is, and you know what? How, what are they playing for this season? They've got a new coach. They've got this quarterback controversy. They got no fans. I mean, that stadium was empty. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just tough being a Miami football player. So like, what are you what are you playing for? Is there are you playing for the history of the team? Are you playing for this season? Are you playing for yourself? Are you playing for what what? Mm-hmm. So, it's going to be interesting to see how they come out. My guess is that we're going to see both quarterbacks against us. mm mm-hmm. Mhm in some way or another and that's exciting to me because that never works out ever. yeah <laughs> and you know it didn't work out for them last year and it's definitely not gonna work out for them this year the thing about miami and perry had 422 yards passing four touchdowns one interception uh the good thing about uva our defense really good in the passing game mm. so i'm looking forward to see how we react to Miami not having a great rushing game they had 94 yards against Tech versus their really good passing game
1: yeah so I mean the good thing is that Miami's coming on a short week Virginia Mm -hmm. has the bye you know it's if Virginia is able to beat Miami this coming week it kind of buries Miami if Miami's 0-3 in the ACC they're not going to win the Coastal yeah so that kind of Virginia can kind of put itself a step above the rest and bury Miami with a win which would be huge and you know another result Duke yesterday so Pittsburgh comes out winning in just a wild fourth quarter Duke kind of got hosed on this two-point call Mm -hmm. didn't really matter because Pitt came back and scored anyway crazy game but that makes maybe the Pitt win look a little better Pittsburgh's now one and one in the ACC but also with Duke now Duke's one and one in the ACC but after dominating Virginia Tech the way they did maybe that brings them a little bit back down to earth and also with Virginia playing Miami on a Friday UVA is now going to have eight k- days to prepare for this Duke team at home coming up mm-hmm. uh, in two weeks. So I don't know. I don't, Do you have kind of a thought on the Pitt-Duke game? Does this kind of contextualize anything, or is it just another crazy matchup, and I don't know what to think of it? You, you know,
0: it's so weird because Duke looked really good against Tech uh, in Blacksburg two weeks ago. And then, you know, Duke had a 23-point lead in that game. Pitt mm-hmm. comes all the way back. Duke's one-on-one in conference now. How is their confidence going to be now that they have, you know, crushed Tech on the road and then also lost at home to a pit team? And, you know, the Coastal's all over the place this season. I mean, they, there's no team that's been consistent. And, you know, we've talked about UVA being the most consistent week to week. And that's saying something because – I don't think we've been super consistent. You know, our offense is kind of shaky. Defense has been pretty good, but especially the offense has been kind of up and down on a roller coaster. You know, Pitts looked different week to week. They beat UCF. Now they're beating Duke. Uh, Maybe Pitts better than we thought at the beginning of the season. Uh, Duke, you know, goes into Blacksburg Beaks Tech. but Then loses at home on a wild finish, uh, you know, in the last minute. Tech gets crushed by Duke but then goes down to Miami and beats them in another crazy game. So it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out over the next couple of weeks because while UVA is in the driver's seat right now, we could easily lose a game versus Duke. We could drop one to UNC. We've got a tough one against Louisville as well and uh, of course we play tech at the end of the season and that one's never easy. Yeah. Well, it hasn't been easy. <laughs> it hasn't been easy, easy for a 15 long years time, so <laughs> a long time. So I, I it's it's just crazy how you never know what team's going to come out. Like um Quentin Harris for Duke Duke's quarterback uh amazing game last week 2 weeks ago versus Tech. This week 18 of 43 for 165 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. So bad game for him. Yeah. So what what quarterback's going to come out for them?
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing you bring up two points, I feel like one is that Virginia TBD for the best team. Yeah. So far that so the ah, so far, though, UVA has been the most consistent team in terms of what Bronco Minenhall said week one against Pittsburgh. They asked him, what was the different? Like, what's the difference between this year's team and last year's team? And he said there's no wild swings as far mm-hmm. as play going or emotion or, you know, anything like that. There's not wild swings. It's steady. It's consistent. And Virginia's kind of you know, staying that way throughout these games. And you look at the rest of the Coastal, I mean, Miami's up or down big, comes back, tech's up big, loses. You know, North Carolina has played some up and down games. So has Pitt, you know, against UCF. You know, so has Duke this week. You know, the ACC, Coastal's all over the place. You know, these teams are playing one good half and then no other half. Virginia is at least steady. And, you know, mm-hmm. TBD, if that's good enough to win the division, but at the very least, they've been steady. So, you know, you look at that, and then I would say, kind of the second thing as you're looking at this is that <sighs> it's, it's hard to know what to make. And you know, I think we're it's good we got Pitt early. You know, it's good we yeah. got Florida State early. But you look at Louisville who won this week, 41-39 over BC. I think Louisville's better than what we thought. Now, yeah. are they great? No. Is BC great? No. But I think they're better than what we thought. North Carolina probably better than what we thought. You know, they're two and one in the ACC. They right now might be the biggest contender in the Coastal, you know, right here and now, which seems kind of crazy to say, but that might be the case. So, you know, Virginia Tech, you know, we kind of have to reset the expectations with Virginia Tech now that they have a new quarterback. What is this team going to look like here forward? Miami, you know, Miami is trending in the wrong direction, but I don't know, man. Like, that's the thing. It's like Virginia... If they win on Friday, they should be in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, it's just wild. And, you know, if Virginia can stay the most consistent team, consistent meaning, like, not go down 20 or not go up 30 and, you know, end up winning by three. Like, if they can kind of stay that course, <laughs> that might be all it really takes. Yeah. So I don't I don't know, man. I mean, I, I would still say Virginia is probably the coastal favorites right now, just as they were preseason. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to make of this, man. It's it's really, really just weird.
0: Yeah, it's a weird time. And, you know, you're talking about the worst conference in the in the nation, this is it, you know, because we don't have that consistency. We've also got Georgia Tech, who we're not talking about, who's at the bottom. <laughs> UNC, who, you know, took it to Clemson a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, also has blown it as well this season. So they're, they're strange. And then we've got four teams who are really trying to fight for this coastal division for the chance to play Clemson. And none of them really seem to have an answer for, you know, certain things. And so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how UVA plays it and where the other teams fall. Cause we've got, you know, our four toughest opponents left in the coastal still with Duke, UNC tech and, uh, ooh, yeah. yeah, Duke, UNC, and Tech, and Miami. Yeah, the, yeah, those four. So, yeah, I'm interested to see where we go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what's gonna happen. It's gonna be an interesting ride. And Virginia, like these, this next stretch of games is kind of kind of define the season. You know, mm-hmm. this is you talk about playing for the coastal, and the good thing is that UVA is two and zero in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Like that's a very good thing. But you know, it could all change in a, you know three weeks if Virginia has a couple bad weeks. So. This is this is Virginia's chance, you know, to really grab it and go.
0: I've got a situation for you, and okay. I'm wondering if it's possible. So what if the coastal is such a mess, UVA drops two games, somehow still makes it into the championship game? Wake on the other side loses only to Clemson, doesn't make it into the championship game. Do you think Wake Forest would make it would be offered into the Orange Bowl instead of UVA?
1: If Wake's—so the way Wake's schedule is shaping up is that they have a real chance to be undefeated Mm -hmm. going into the Clemson game. I mean, Clemson is by far the toughest game on their schedule. Mm -hmm. You know, if Wake is a one-loss team to Clemson, I think you got to give it to Wake. Because Virginia, you know, unless Virginia goes undefeated the rest of the way, even if (laughs) they—which is crazy to say. But even if they did, if you compare the one-loss versus Notre Dame or versus Clemson, I think— you you'd have to give it to wait cuz virginia's most likely would not beat clemson in the mm-hmm. ACC championship cuz it's game.
0: interesting because like if you think about it a lot of people have just pegged UVA as that other team getting the orange bowl invite but really the orange bowl invite goes to the best ACC team not named clemson because Presumably we're, we're presuming clemson that clemson's going to we're, we're assuming clemson's going to breeze through their schedule and make it to the playoffs even though a lot of people are saying that you know all four sec teams are better than them yeah (laughs) which might be true and oklahoma and ohio state as well but in any case i think that's an interesting thought that uva you know has been pegged since you know kind of the beginning of the season that you know we're gonna go to the orange bowl play some awesome big 10 or big 12 team but we might not even make it if wake does yeah i think that's crazy yeah but but very probable as well
1: I I mean the thing is is like we're what, maybe a fourth of the way through the ACC schedule. Yeah. So so much of like how these teams play head to head is just still T B D and you know, if you're trying to make money on this, like Good uh, luck. Yeah. My goodness. Go to my bookie and check it out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I I don't know what to tell you, man. I just want my biggest thing is I want Virginia to stay consistent. Mm-hmm. I want them to stay steady. And if you can avoid those wild swings and just let you know, for lack of better words, let these other teams beat themselves, Mm -hmm. that might be all it takes.
0: I think that our defense is going to be carrying us throughout the rest of the season. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone, but I think our offense is going to need to step up. And I think our offense is going to need to win at least two games for us at some point this season.
1: I mean, there's going to certainly be times when Bryce has to put together a fourth quarter type performance. Maybe not to the extent we saw against Florida State, Mm because that was awesome, and I don't know, you know, how realistic it is to expect him to replicate that week after week. But yeah, no, I'm with you. I think there's going to be some games where Virginia is going to have to come behind, come from behind in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So, hopefully, they can do that. But yeah, I mean, this is a defensive team. That's what the identity is. The strengths on the defense are way higher than they are in the offense. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it is what it is. So yeah.
0: It'll yeah. be very interesting. I'm I'm excited to see. Because it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be wild, especially exciting.
1: Like, like again, knock on wood, but if Virginia can stay consistent, like how they, you know, if they get the opportunity that they had last year, where they kind of squandered it down the stretch, you mm-hmm. know, losing a Georgia Tech, losing a Virginia Tech losing after the, to pit, yeah, losing, losing three of their final four. Yeah. Does Virginia have what it takes this year to kind of a put themselves in that opportunity again and, close and b it. to close it? Yeah. So I agree. I don't yeah. know, man. I. I hope they can.
0: That's why we play the games. Um, Rob, you ready for some yells, or you want to keep going?
1: I mean, I I don't know, man. Are you? I've
0: got I've got some yells I want to give. All right, let's give some yells. So the the yell I want to give this week is to the men's and women's soccer teams, both ranked in number one nationally, and both are doing super super well. The men's team has only given up one goal throughout the whole season. They've beaten some really good teams like Maryland. They beat the Wake Forest team. So they're doing super well and uh, super exciting. Apparently, Clockner has been packed the last couple of games because both teams are just incredible. So shout out to the and women's soccer teams. Yeah, Go definitely.
1: Hoos. I'll give a shout out to, uh, I guess, just the who's in the NFL in general. Mm-hmm. You know, Maurice Kennedy had an interception last week. One Thornhill had the most fundamental play I think I've ever seen. It was like a Hail Mary to end the game, and the ball was like five yards short of the end zone, came right to him, like just could have picked it and fall down. Smacked it down. Nah, I smacked it down. I was like, wow, wow, that's very fundamental of you, yeah. Juan Thornhill. So, you know, who's in the NFL making some plays right now? Chris Peace just got picked up by the Giants. Mm-hmm. Chargers cut him thinking they could keep him. No, Giants swooped him up. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll be putting more in there pretty soon.
0: Yeah. Oh, and with that, that's going to be our bye week special. We we took a little break, but it's good to be back. Looking forward to that Miami game. What do you think's going to happen with the Miami game? Prediction.
1: Prediction. I I don't want to predict because whatever happens. <laughs> uh, I'll say I'm more confident this week than I was after last week. I think the shaky performance and the quarterback mm-hmm. controversy that might be to come. I think that plays to Virginia's favor.
0: I agree. I think that after watching what Miami did against Tech, I'm feeling better about the Hoos. Uh, it's going to be on Friday at 8 p.m. on ESPN 1, so everyone's going to be able to watch it. Not an ACC Network game. Uh,
1: I have ACC Network now. Oh, you way. got it? Yeah, so it's a big deal.
0: You know, <laughs> How'd you get it? Well, it
1: just kind of came on. So Cox has had it forever. Oh, okay. But the streaming didn't work. So I somehow see. they worked out the streaming and, and you got I it flipped now. it on this week. I was like, whoa, like I can stream this now. So yeah, I'm Great. back, baby. You're back,
0: baby. <laughs> well, now you can watch the news whenever you go. So uh, with that, this has been the Guys and Ties podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to give us a listen on iTunes and Spotify. If you like the content, make sure to follow us on Twitter. At Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Snapchat and Instagram for that bonus content that Rob's putting out at Guys and Ties Pod. Uh, go check out Armchair All Americans. They got some great content there uh, doing NBA stuff coming up soon, NHL starting. Major League Baseball's in the playoffs. There's fights going on all the time in uh, wrestling and also MMA. So go check it out. Go Who's Baby.